podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of 49ers Unrestricted. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing today? Good morning. Happy Monday. Excited for uh, yet another week of Niners football as we get closer and closer to some actual action uh, against another team. So uh, we're going to break down this last week. It was an eventful week, so excited to talk through some of that with you. Yeah, very, very exciting. Um, we were talking just before the episode on how our episode timelines are going to have to change a little because we have the first 49ers preseason game this week on, on Friday, August 12th against the Packers. And that just felt very strange to say that we are we are no longer without football. And it might be preseason football, but at least it's here. And we get to watch the 49ers play. And based on what we saw last year, I think we'll see Trey out there at least a little bit. Shani does like to to get his guys some time on the field. So that's going to be very, very fun. Um, the dog days are over. 49ers football is back. Yeah, some of the things that we've seen, we can talk training camp first. Some of the things we've seen uh, most recently around training camp is uh, last week, Timmy and I were talking about how Brandon Ayuk was being bothered by Fred Warner. Uh, Fred Warner says that Brandon Ayuk is ready to take that next step. And I believe he is, yeah. and everything he is showing in training camp also should lead us to believe that he is ready to take that next step as well. It's worth noting that everyone who's been at 49ers camp, whether it's beat writers, whether it's somebody like Robert Mays from The Athletic who stopped by the 49ers camp for a day, has basically all left with the same takeaway of Brandon Ayuk is the 49ers camp MVP. And I'm going to forget who it was. It was, a, it was a player on the 49ers who said, yeah, Ayuk's the MVP. And then he kind of paused and said, well, Bosa, Bosa's Bosa. And that was it. And I wish I could remember who that was. I'll have to, to find the quote. But Ayuk has been dominating training camp so far. Really, the, the biggest way it's talked about is this is like Debo last year. And that if you follow the trajectory, it's, it's similar to... Debo's trajectory Debo came into the league had a great rookie season his second year kind of really struggled to take off his was more injury related Brendan Ayuk's was more maybe mentality related being in Shanahan's doghouse then they come into their third year Debo dominated same thing this year Brandon Ayuk is leading every wide receiver training drill like Brandon Ayuk is dominating but all of that to say, we talked about how Fred Warner has been kind of kind of dogging him a little, how challenging him, annoying him, according to to Ayuk. Well, it got it got bad last week, and it did. Uh, there were a couple of fights. Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner got into it a little bit, and then after that, Fred Warner uh, laid the hammer down on another wide receiver. I think his name was Marcus Johnson, putting him in the concussion protocol, which you definitely don't want to see uh, in camp. No. And Brandon Ayuk was unhappy with that hit and started a a, a fight that that extended the entire team. Broke out. Suppose they said, uh, you know, they have both talked to the media. Said, you know, we're brothers. We're good. It happens. Shanahan was like, I love to see the intensity. Don't like to see us injuring each other. But yeah. Um, any thoughts on the training camp fight, Daniel? Uh, it's hard. I, I think Kyle Shanahan handled it well because it's it's high intensity football for so many reasons. Sure. Guys are fighting for spots. 
Um, and you could argue that Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner are not fighting for spots, and you'd be right. They have spots. Don't you worry. Um, but they're getting back into football. They're getting back into the swing of things. Like, this is high intensity. And so you see it every year. Like, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, got into it with one of his defensive linemen a few weeks ago. And he said after, he's like, yep, that's part of the camp. Like, it's just, it's football. Like, we're good. It's just how it is. And, um, yeah, totally. I know that doesn't always make sense for everyone, but that is just the mentality around football. It is a sport where you are constantly pounding into one another. Of course, there's going to be some high-intensity moments when your teammates are not the, the usual ones you're pounding into. When you are for a change, that you know that hits a little different in multiple ways. So I like it. I like that intensity. I get it. But there is a, a sense of, hey, we're still teammates, and we're not trying to get hurt before the season. And that's exactly what Kyle had to say. Totally. Yeah, and I I will say this is the, uh, my biggest takeaway was all the 49ers beat guys that I that I saw responding to it have have been with the team for a long time. Most of them have covered NFL teams for a very long time, and all of them were like, "Hey, this happens. Like this is a very normal occurrence during an NFL training camp." So that was good to hear. You love to see the passion. You love to hear that they made up afterwards, and you love to, like you said earlier, you love to hear how Brandon Ayuk is is dominating camp. I'll be honest. I think I said this on our fantasy football episode, but I've been thinking it more and more. Brandon Ayuk is the 49ers wide receiver I want on my fantasy team. Not necessarily because I think he's going to outperform Debo, but because I think based on the value of where you're going to be getting him in drafts, it's you're going to want you're going to want Ayuk, I think. He is very low in some fantasy drafts. I will say that. It makes sense. He was he burned a lot of people last year. Yeah. All right. Hey, any other major Oh, sorry. No, I was just I was going to ask the same thing and I know that we talked about a couple of funnier moments in camp so far and so uh what are, what are some of the the funny viral videos that we've seen so far through camp? Yeah, well, I don't know if this this is viral and funny but also like oh my gosh, how did this person do this? So the 49ers typically do I think they call it the rookie hype machine every training camp <laughs> where a different rookie has to go kind of entertain the fans for for a minute or two. Spencer Burford and another O-lineman who I can't remember their name, apologies, I think it was Jason Poe maybe, did it the other day and there was some funny, very funny big man dancing moves. But by far the most impressive was 49ers uh, new edge rusher Drake Jackson, who we've both talked about, we really see as a really important cog in this Niners defense and somebody who can really help this defense go to another level if he can if he can live up to what we expect him to be. And it was it was pretty incredible to get to see him um, do his hype machine because my man did a, a massive backflip. I mean, did a handspring into the backflip and this man flew and what the the first thing i could think was everything that you that i've heard about drake jackson is that his moat from all the guys in camp is that his most impressive ability is his ability to bend and his flexibility and when you see a man who is six foot three 273 pounds soaring through the air doing the backflip doing a backflip the only takeaway I could have was, wow, that is a flexible man. That man has bend. And that was that was pretty awesome to see. That is elite special athleticism from someone that big. Did you did you catch that clip, Daniel? Oh yeah. It was wild. I just he's a defensive lineman, so obviously he's a big dude. And just seeing him be able to do that, get up in the air, elevate himself that much and to do a flip, I'm just kind of at a loss for words of like, man, how do you do that? That is quite literally mind-blowing in some ways. Uh, 
I just don't get it. But uh, I think it's stinking cool that we've got a, a defensive lineman who can be doing backflips out here. Uh, maybe that's a lot more common than we think, but I don't know. I think that's awesome. So glad that he can do that. Uh, let's hope that he can back. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some funny way to use a backflip into a defensive term, but <laughs> couldn't couldn't yeah. be quick enough. So. Um, well, on the on the topic of of lines, I'd love to talk about some of the news I'm seeing about the 49ers' offensive line coming out of camp so far. I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with that, but it's been it's a very very interesting who's been getting the snaps. And there's a couple things the the ones I'm really captivated by are we've talked a lot about center, really the whole interior. We've talked a lot about center, and then who's been lining up at uh, left guard and right guard. I believe. All throughout camp so far, Spencer Burford, the rookie out of UTSA, I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick, has been lining up at right guard every single snap. And by all accounts, he's looked fantastic. Burford has a right guard. And then Aaron Banks has taken, I believe, every snap at left guard. Mixed mixed reviews. Aaron Bank drafted, Banks drafted in 2021, only played five snaps. Talked about him earlier. The team seems happy about him, but... Still kind of mixed reviews. A lot, a lot of credit to how hard he's worked to kind of reshape his body, transition some of the fat and on some from some of his weight from fat to muscle, but still not the best reviews. And then it's been interesting hearing about that. The, some of the coaching is like, well, hey, you can't take too much with this because uh, Trent Williams has been out. Mike McGlinchey has been out with his injury. Trent Williams, I think, had a child born, and so it was a little late he to did. camp. And so because of that, guys like Jalen Moore and Colton McKivitz, who the team also wants to give reps at those guard spots, have been um, have been playing tackle and haven't had a chance to compete at guard. If I'm reading the tea leaves, it seems to me like Burford has, a, has that right guard spot on lock. I don't know, Daniel, what do you think about that? No, it certainly seems that way. Um it's surprising. That's not what either of you and I uh, expected to see. We knew that our offensive line was going to have a different look this year. Uh, Alex Mack retiring um, is is the big one, of course. Uh, Trent Williams has left tackle locked up. I think that what we had projected coming in is uh, Williams and McGlinchey. They're the tackles, of course, easy peasy. Uh Jake Brendel, once Alex Mack retired, seemed to slide into center pretty quick, and really the only person who we thought had much of a chance to switch out after that was Donovan West, I believe. Um, yeah. And or, it, it seems like Daniel Brunskill is getting some snaps at center as well. That one I would still keep an eye on, because Brunskill on. falls into that same category of the team likes him as a swing guy who can play all over the line, and I think that's where they'd want him but they would definitely start him at center in a pinch if if uh why can't i remember his name um the guy who's starting currently Jake Brendel um oh, has any yeah, regression yeah. i would expect Brunskill to immediately come in and fill that spot but yeah the interior line i mean the 49ers went from a pretty good interior line last year i mean Lakin Tomlinson was awesome um Alex Mack was he he struggled but it was one of the game's great centers and then right guard was a weak spot, and that was that was Daniel Brunskill. And so with Mike McGlinchey back, and then if they can if they can seal up this interior line, Burford is a guy that I think showed a lot of potential at at UTSA. I believe he played tackle, and now the 49ers are moving him inside. So that is a transition, but by all accounts, he's been he's been awesome. And so I if I'm predicting this, I think Burford is the starting right guard. I'm much less confident about Banks. I think he's got 
probably the favorite to be the starting left guard currently, but I, I think he's going to have to, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if someone else is in that spot on day. Yeah. You look at week one, you look at, so as I said, the tackles are filled up with McGlinchey and Williams currently on ESPN depth chart, but again, not updated. Colton McKivitz is starting a left guard, Jake Brendel center and Daniel Brunskill at right guard. Um, the other guys that are in the mix are obviously Spencer Burford, Jalen Moore, Justin School, and Aaron Banks. Now, Justin School and uh, I kind of want to say Banks and Moore aren't going to be the starters. They'll they'll be filling guys, uh, but I also feel like Colton McKivitz could be in there as well. So I would not be surprised yeah. if Burford was at one of the guards and Brunt School was at the other. Um, but you got to keep an eye on Moore. Banks and McKivitz throughout camp and preseason games. Yeah. I actually think O line is going to be the thing to watch in preseason games. Oh, I 1000% agree because that's one of those positions similar to running back, which I'm interested in as well. That like you just can't evaluate when the guys aren't going at you 100%, like full mm-hmm. tackle, all that stuff. But yeah. I think the 49ers have a lot of guys on this O line who are who are good swing guys. Justin School has been a really good swing tackle for the 49ers the past couple seasons. McKivitt, same thing. Jalen Moore did a good job of it last year. Why can't I remember his name? Daniel Brunskill has been a great swing guy as well for the 49ers on the offensive line. We have a lot of these guys who are good at filling in, but aren't necessarily starters. And I I wonder if that's going to be the theme this year as well. We have guys who can fill in, but maybe aren't fully starting category and so I'm I'm curious to see what will happen with that for sure but I'm very very excited about Burford obviously Trent Williams is incredible I'm hoping it's Jake Rendell starting at center just because of that chemistry with him and Lance but that's just such an important position I'm very nervous about it yeah any other main training camp takeaways no um other than, I mean... Trey I th- keeps throwing incompletions. Yeah. I was Before you had said that, I was going to say that I don't think we spent enough time on Brandon Ayuk, or at least... I think I think oh, that, yeah. that's Let's a bigger that's a bigger deal than we made it to be. Um, I think this could be huge for him. Uh, was it literally just a year ago that he was in the doghouse and we kept talking about that? Was that just this last year? Yeah. That feels much longer ago. Um, I, yeah. Oh, going sorry. from... Sorry, I was just going to say, going from supposedly being in the doghouse last year to being the MVP of camp. Like what a turnaround. And so I get where Fred Warner and maybe whoever else is coming from of he's ready to take that leap. We're going to help get him there. Honestly, that's a good teammate. And at the end of the day, Ayuk will say the same thing. He might have. Oh, sure. Lost some anger over that, but but he might find it annoying. (laughs) Totally. Um, but, uh, I, th- I think that, that that's just a huge deal, and I'm excited to see where that comes from, how that shapes out. Excuse yeah. Me. Something that was – I listened to a really fascinating podcast over the weekend. I've become a big fan of the athletic football show, which Robert Mays hosts and brings in a lot of interesting guests. And he, on maybe Friday, I listened to it on Saturday, brought in Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports. I think he does fantasy stuff. And he runs a thing called Reception Perception, where he basically stats out – every like route guys run their performance against man coverage basically like how open are you getting how good are you at running routes and he was basically like Brandon Ayuk is like is top top notch at separating versus man coverage in the NFL he was basically like he's better than Debo at separating like they're very different players but when it comes to like one-on-one 
beating man coverage, Brandon Ayuk is the best on that team. You sprinkle in the fact that he and Lance have worked out together a ton this offseason, have built up a lot of chemistry. We love Debo. Debo just wasn't doing that. And that Debo's a different kind of player. Ayuk is probably a bigger deep threat. All these things, I think, are a recipe for a huge, huge season from Brandon Ayuk. And I, I think Debo's going to be great as well. I think Kittle's going to be great as well. But I think Ayuk is going to be the guy that we look at and say, wow, 2022 was the year this man arrived in the NFL. Yeah, I do not disagree with you. Um, I'm hopeful of that. I'm I'm actually a little expectant of that. I'm now with all this hype around him. I'm really expecting him to be pretty electric. So I will be drafting him as low as he is projected. He will be on my fantasy teams, and I am okay with that. Yeah, and then I think the only other training camp news to talk about is. We talked about this last week. Sounds like the offense is still kind of struggling. Friday and Saturday last week, it sounds like they really started to to hit their stride and put together some nice drives and get some wins on the Niners defense, and that's great to hear. But definitely Sunday, they they regressed back to Trey Lance. I think it was like four for twelve. Like it's not wasn't pretty. It's not looking pretty. And no. I'm I'm still not concerned. Um, if you'll remember, there was a practice the year before. The season the 49ers went to the Super Bowl in 2019, there was a practice where Jimmy threw five interceptions. People freaked out. We went to the Super Bowl. Um, the defense has 16 picks already. They had 11 all of training camp last year. So that makes me really excited about this defense. And and Trey Lance is going to need some time to adjust. And I just keep coming back to, gosh, I might miscredit this. I think it was also Robert Mays, the athletic NFL show, talking about he went to Packers training camp one year. And Aaron Rodgers was throwing a lot of interceptions. And he, he mentioned it to one of the assistant coaches. And the assistant coaches are like, yeah, he's testing himself. Like, he's trying to find out, can I make this throw? Can I get this ball to this guy? Like, how good is this receiver? He's like, he wouldn't make these throws in a game. But he's testing right now in camp to see if he could do it. And so you can't really judge those picks at the same way. Because this is a guy testing their limits. And I wonder if that's Trey doing the same thing. And obviously it's a little different. You have Aaron Rodgers and Trey. But I think there is a little bit of an element in training camp of like, are picks as important? Because Trey might be saying like, let's find out if I can make this throw. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I love then, that. Yeah. I think it's cool that Rodgers has done that. I think that's kind of what, you know, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you've been to a million training camps, you're kind of like, I get it. I'm warming up, but I play in the offseason enough to stay warm. And not that training camp isn't important for him, but what a better way to make use of your training camp and figure out your limitations or the players around you and their limitations. Um, so I think that that's that's a great way to do it. Um, yeah. So with the, the example final thing of I wanted to, oh yeah, no keep going. You, you just brought up uh, the example of uh, 2019 training camp. Jimmy G throwing a few interceptions. People were worried, and then we went to the Super Bowl. Are you uh, are you saying we're going to the Super Bowl, Timmy? I I don't know. I do know that the 49ers coaching staff and front office has been pretty bullish to reporters about the fact that they think this team is more talented than the one that went to the Super Bowl. I'll leave it at that. They've been pretty clear they think this is a better team than we had in 2019. And I don't think Jimmy was that good in 2019. We almost won a Super Bowl. So I think the question we keep coming back to is how good does Trey have to be? I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. But I don't even think he has to be that good 
to win the 49ers games. So I, I, I think it's well within possibility, and I think the 49ers need to be respected as a legitimate contender because you think about what D'Amico Ryans, our defensive coordinator, was able to do with this defense last season, that the secondary was two popsicle sticks and Josh Norman. And now we have a real secondary led by Traverius Ward, who's been dominant throughout training camp. Emmanuel Mosley's playing great. You add in a real secondary to what D'Amico Ryans was doing last season, I I think this could be a really, really, really good defense. And I trust Shanahan enough that I know he's going to keep the offense running, even if Trey Lance struggles out the gate and, and adjusting to the NFL. So yeah, I think it's well within possibility. Am I predicting a Super Bowl? No. But I think we need to put that on the list of legitimate potential outcomes for this 49ers season. 1,000%. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. The, the only other interesting thing coming out of camp is if you heard any of this news about how Trey Lance had to really, really rework his mechanics last offseason. Uh, apparently, this finger injury that he suffered against the Raiders in the preseason, you know, the, the chipped finger. Uh, some guys have chips really on their shoulders. Trey Lance has a chip on his finger. Yeah, it was in tre- preseason. I think he banged wow. his hand against a helmet. I guess this this affected him all last year. So anything we saw that Trey Lance threw last year, he couldn't grip the football correctly. And I was listening to how that that affected his ability to throw, and he was putting way too much more on his arm, which was messing up his mechanics. So anyway, I guess he spent all offseason at 3D QB down in Los Angeles, and I'll forget the, the coach's name he works with. This is one of those passing academies that is really, really taken off for these guys to go and work on their mechanics at. Yeah, they love it. And... Basically, they had to reteach him how to grip the football and how to throw properly and it, and get his confidence back up. And it sounds like his mechanics are much, much better. So I think, I mean, I thought Trey looked great at times last season when he played, but at, like he wasn't even gripping the football correctly. I don't know. I just want to spend a minute on like how weird is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of amazed at how uh, under the radar that was about how, you know, I didn't know that for the longest time. I had no idea. I couldn't. Even, I could not even remember it was that early. That's what is shocking to me. As I'm like, yeah. wait, that was in preseason that that happened. Um, and so if you if you combine that with if you remember there were some rumors last season about like arm about they were coming out a month ago about how Trey Lance was having arm fatigue and stuff. Yeah, it sounds like that's not true. Kyle Shanahan said I think with uh, Tim the TK podcast on the Athletic Tim Kawakami I think is his name who's a Bay Area guy great great that was well done reporter who c- covers the Bay said his name well yeah it was. Thank you. It's a great. It was a great interview. If you have 25 minutes and can find that podcast, fascinating. But Kyle Shanahan said, like, yeah, I hadn't even heard about that until I had dinner with Ayuk <laughs> and Trey Lance, and Ayuk made a joke about it, and he was like, it's nothing like different than any quarterback I've ever had. But the the coach that Lance was working with was like, you know, his arm was tired because he had to completely rework his mechanics because he was gripping the ball differently. Yeah, I'm making a grip motion, but it's okay that you can't see it because I don't know how you're actually supposed to grip a football, and was putting way more wear and tear on his arm so it sounds like that wasn't true but if it was it sounds like it was really the result all coming back to this finger injury I don't know it's so fascinating to me the mechanics of playing quarterback and and what Shanahan said is I actually don't care at all about arm motion any of that he's like all I care about and that I want to coach a quarterback on is footwork which is another really interesting thing we should, we could do a whole episode trying to understand what that means from two guys who haven't played quarterback I don't think you played quarterback in high school did you I did my freshman year of high school, but let's not pretend like that oh, means a lot. The, the, well, you know more than me. You know more than me. Yeah, I mean, and when I say I played freshman year of high school, I mean I was clipboard guy and watched uh, the guy who went on to play at uh, hey, is it Princeton? 
he played at Princeton. And then oh, he nice. best yeah. job in the world, backup quarterback, ten million right. bucks to drive a golf cart and hold a clipboard. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's move on to our coaching changes. We want to talk about our our new coaches, our departing coaches, uh, before yeah. we get too far into the season, so we know who is on the sidelines with us. Yeah. So the biggest the biggest change last season from last year is is Mike McDaniel is gone. And Mike McDaniel for a long time with the 49ers has been with Kyle Shanahan for for forever. Mike McDaniel now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Last season was the offensive coordinator in in title. The year before that I believe was the run game coordinator and now and then after uh Mike Mafl- Mike LaFleur left to go with Robert Sala to the Jets, uh McDaniel took over the full title of offensive coordinator and now is the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Um, you've probably seen clips of McDaniel. He is a character. People people really love him. Um, I wish him the best with Miami, but that, that leaves a void, and obviously it's different than with a lot of other teams when the offensive coordinator leaves because Kyle Shanahan is the 49ers' true offensive coordinator. He's the play caller, and so because of that, we don't have to sit and wonder, like, what's this offense going to look like? But there is questions of, like, who is going to help Shanahan with these things, and I'm I'm medium concerned about McDaniel leaving just because he's been with Kyle Shanahan for so long like really his entire coaching career those two have worked together and so I I just I hope that Shanahan's able to find someone who can help him with with his ideas and bouncing ideas off of in title Chris Forrester who is the 49ers offensive line coach has been with the 49ers yeah, he was a consultant for the 49ers with two seasons and now he's an assistant offensive line coach and has been named that it been named the 49ers run game coordinator, which is really the closest thing currently the 49ers have to the offensive coordinator and then you have Bobby Slowick who is the 49 in his 8th year in the NFL and that is the 49ers offensive passing game coordinator. So I expect the dynamic to work with those guys similar to how it did with uh LaFleur and McDaniel for all those years as them kind of being the two co-offensive coordinators to Shanahan's offensive really genius and play caller. But yeah, I mean, those are two new names in that role. I don't know, Daniel. What do you think about the fact that those guys are are changing over? I'm just sad that Mike McDaniel is gone. I love Mike McDaniel, and I'm just bummed that he's gone. So honestly, this, this, this whole time I'm just reflecting on how bummed I am that he's gone. I'm stoked he gets his own opportunity in Miami. Um... I miss Robert Sala. I'm just tired of our coordinators doing a great job and being best friends with Kyle Shanahan and doing a great job on the Niners and getting snatched up and, and on another team. And it's a great opportunity for them. I'm just super selfish and want them with us. Uh, so I'm just waiting for that to happen to Demeco Ryans. And I don't want it to. Um, but looking at the new names. Um, yeah. Demeco have- Ryans, let's just say this. D'Amico Ryans will not be on the 49ers coaching staff next year. He will be an NFL head coach next season. It's just a fact. He was so good. What he did was so incredible. I am shocked he is still our defensive coordinator. I thought for sure he was going to get the head coaching job and McDaniel was going to get was going to stay for one more year. But I think it's just the NFL wanted offensive guys. If D'Amico Ryans is still the 49ers defensive coordinator next season, I will be genuinely shocked. I will be so shocked. So we just need to prepare ourselves for this now that this is our last run with D'Amico Ryans, who has been, who was incredible last season as the 49ers DC. Yeah, I would just say uh, these new names, 
Um, they got big shoes to fill. That's the easiest way to to put it. Is totally. These guys got big shoes to fill. So, um, yeah. any I don't I don't have tons of tons of uh, fun facts, fun notes on them. I think uh, getting yeah. Anthony Lynn has been um, that's been under the radar as well. Um, yeah, Anthony Lynn, who was the head coach of the the Chargers for a long time, you probably saw him on Hard Knocks, is now the 49ers assistant head coach and running backs head coach. I really, really like Anthony Lynn. I think he he comes off as a really, really nice guy who knows how to lead, and I think I think he's in a really good a really good spot. He was I think one of Detroit's co offensive coordinators for a bit last season, which don't think worked out perfectly. And obviously his tenure with the Chargers kind of kind of fell apart at the end, which was was sad to see. But I I think he was a good head coach, and I'm excited that he will be be on the 49ers and be and be there running backs coach. I think he's going to be really good. He was obviously a former former NFL running back and he's going to be he's going to be he was on the 49ers. Don't forget that. And played with Mike Shanahan. So by all accounts should know this system really really well and I I think he's in a really good spot. And quite frankly, I think he's also someone who I think this is kind of going to be like a career rehabilitation spot, kind of like how you go to the Patriots for a season or you go and you be Alabama's offensive coordinator for a season and though then go become a head coach. I don't think this is like a long term position for Anthony Lynn. I think this is kind of a kind of a get your mojo back and and move on up. Yeah. Can they take Anthony Lynn instead of Demeca Ryans, please? Yeah, that would be great. That'd be amazing. The. The other guy who is new to the 49ers coaching staff that I think is really important is Brian Grease is now the 49ers quarterbacks coach. He has never he has never coached before Brian Grease. He's obviously a former NFL quarterback, was with Monday Night Football for a couple years as an analyst, and Kyle Shanahan talked him into coming to come into coach Trey. And I'm really, really fascinated by by what that means. And I'm really, really curious what a guy who's never coached before as the as the main guy really who's now tasked with developing Trey Lance. I don't know. It's just really fascinating to me. What do you how do you feel about that, Daniel? If you go on ESPN and you look at the 49ers coaching staff, the list, it says their title, their name, and their experience. Um and it's funny, you're you're scrolling in, you see some guys, uh, you're like, okay. Six years, two years, some of these guys have 16, and then Anthony Lynn has 31 years of experience. Um, but they give Brian Grease 12 years of experience. And I have a hard time with that because I'm like, 12 years of it, what exactly does this experience, quote-unquote, mean? Just around football? Because um, Timmy and I have arguably 12 or more years of experience with football, if that's how we're talking it, but... Coaching is just very different than being an analyst. Uh, you know, if I, I would say we're we're more like analysts right now than we are coaches. If you would agree, um, yeah. But this is not how I would view. Like I coach high school volleyball, and so I have a very different mindset uh, when we're looking at stuff for our podcast and watching football rather than when I'm coaching. And so it's a twelve years of experience where I'm like, is that truly twelve years of experience? If this is your your first year coaching. So I'm honestly a little skeptical. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he's going to win me over in a certain way or fashion. Um, I guess if, if Trey is a huge success, then great job, Brian, you, you, you won me over. But if, if Trey struggles, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's fair to blame Brian, but I will. 
Oh, yeah. I will, too. The other <laughs> guy who's going to be in that quarterback room, Clay Kubiak, who I, I assume is the son of Gary Kubiak. He who is. obviously has a close relationship with Shanahan and really knows that system, is the like the assistant quarterback's coach. So I think I think that's important, that he's going to have some co- more coaching experience in the room, too. So I'm I'm optimistic. I don't know. I think... I think Kyle Shanahan has hired assistants really well. I mean, he has. You just look at the guys who are now coaches. He has hired. They have hired well. So I'm I'm willing to trust him on that. The other guy That's I want to call out real like fast that. is the 49ers' new special teams coordinator, Brian Schneider, who comes from, from 2010 to 2020. He was the special teams coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, special teams was not the brightest spot on the 49ers roster last season, other than really the game against the Packers in the playoffs. They really came up big, but they were pretty bad most of last season. And so it totally makes sense that we got a new a new guy in there to run it. Someone who has 10 years experience at the NFL level coordinating special teams. I'm, I'm very excited about that hire. And I think that's yeah. something that's that's really important. Can I just say they, they were horrible last year? It, Terrible. It, it was it was quite and I, again. I'm not. I'm not trying to bash our boys, but it was quite disgusting. Um, our special teams was some of the worst I think I've ever seen for our team. Uh, Other than the Packers, really, it was terrible. It was the worst in the NFL, I think. Yeah, I was just talking for the Niners specifically. I mean, it was the worst that yeah. I've seen in in years of watching football. It was just guys were making mistakes um, in ways we just didn't know. Uh, professional, yeah, and I, football players good in some I ways. Think special teams. Yeah, and I I think special teams more than a lot of other phases of the game really comes down to coaching. Like it's very execution focused, it's very effort dependent, and so I I think it's something that really really the coaching does matter. So I'm just I'm I'm very very optimistic about Schneider. The only other really the coaching thing I wanted to call out is I just want to remind everyone that Chris Kasurik, our defensive line coach, the best defensive line coach in the NFL, is still on the team. So I just want everybody to remember. Kasurik is still there. He's phenomenal. He's incredible. And he's still on in the building. He's still coaching the defensive line. And so the 49ers are going to have a great defensive line as long as he's there. Pay him whatever it takes. There's no salary cap for coaches. Jed York, give this man the bag. Keep him our defensive line coach forever. Thank you very much. I actually don't think I've thought about that, that there's no salary cap for coaches. That's funny. Could you imagine That's... if some team just paid like every single just like hired like 20 head coaches and built out their coaching staff. Just paid Dude, them all like $20 million. I get, I mean, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen for that to work in my mind where it's like, you know, say, you I don't gotta think. got to hire Bill Belichick as the head coach. I was just going to say. Gotta be someone who they could universally defer to. I don't, I don't think uh, Bill Belichick will ever stop coaching. Uh, but I also, um, I think that uh, it would only work to have a bunch of head coaches under only Bill Belichick. There's no way I, you can have think, a bunch of coaches and uh, a bunch of head coaches and them not fight over each other unless it's Bill. They're like, okay, I succeed to Bill. This is a topic for another podcast, but I think Bill Belichick is going to go be a general manager of another team in a couple of years. I think he's going to yeah. step down at the Patriots and go. I, I would assume he would go to the New York Giants. He loves that. He's always spoken very fondly of that organization and be an executive. He's been interested in that before, but I'm not sure. I think I said on this podcast I wanted him to come be the 49ers general manager. I very much do. Let's do that. But Let's do that. I, I could see him stepping down and going to be like a, a football executive. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's our those are our main coaching changes. 
Should we hop over and wrap up with a quick schedule preview? We are at the 40, final five games of the 49ers season. So Let's do it. Do we remember? So we're in week 13. Or sorry, we've completed week 13, right? Um, yeah. And so that means with a bye week, we've got 12 games. What are we, 9-3, and 10-2? What do we say we are? We something are, like I think we have, yeah, something like that. We have two We're not losses. really predicting a lot of losses, losses, you guys. Just just get with that. We're not really predicting a lot of hey, losses. we feel here. good. We, we do. We feel good, my friend. And we have some tough yeah. games, and so that's hard to uh, be predicting a lot of wins, but we do feel good about this team. Um, I think it's going to be a much different start than last year. Uh, last year, I, I refer back to it a lot where those first two games against the Lions and the Eagles – were way tougher than they should have been. Um, and there's nothing more frustrating in that for me. Uh, yeah. So totally. if, if it is a similar start, I'll be uh, one to throw in the towel way before anyone else. But um, let's head to week 14. Yeah, our towels were both thrown last season. That's for Gosh. Sure. Both thrown. Yeah, week 15. Or week 14. Week 14, yeah. Against the Tampa Against- Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers and Tom Brady, the immortal man, the tampering Tom, the um, tampering Tom, the tampering Tom. Oh, um, no. Anyway, Tom, 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 Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know that they're going to be. I think they're going to be good. They have Tom Brady. They're a good roster. Their offensive line is pretty weak. They just lost their center. They lost. I think it was. Was it Marpet? Someone retired. Someone else went to a different team, and now Ryan Jensen, their starting center, is out for the season. Marpet retired. Marpet yeah, retired. Marpet retired. Kappa uh, went to. I think that's what you say. C a p p a. I don't remember his first name. He went to the Bengals, and then Ryan Jensen is their potentially the best center in the NFL, and he and he just went down. To, was it Torres ACL or I don't remember what he did. I think he, I think he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. He's out for the year. I don't remember exactly what his a, a bummer for him. was. But yeah. all of that is to say, I don't know that I think the Buccaneers are going to have the best interior offensive line. Tom Brady is, is obviously phenomenal. He's incredible. He's going to figure anything out. But interior pressure has been the thing that has messed him up over years, over the years, which is such an obvious thing to say because that messes up all quarterbacks because that's just, you can get interior pressure, you tend to win. But... A weaker interior line against the 49ers' dominant defensive line that will have gotten healthier at this point because guys are going to be coming back. Even Maurice Hurst might be back at this point. Imagine Javon Kinlaw playing well. I could see the 49ers having a a day. But at the same time, Chris Godwin will be back at this point. Their wide receiver towards ACL. They're going to have a good receiving core. And it's Tom Brady. I don't know, Daniel. I I have a hard time saying Tom Brady will lose in any situation. I'm, that's exactly my big factor. Uh, the Buccaneers recently signed Julio Jones. Now, some people might be freaking out about that, but uh, you need to remember how old Julio Jones is, how injured he's been. I'm terrified. Yeah, I mean, he's still a weapon, but I it's not the Julio Jones we're all used to. Um, but, I'm just worried that he's going to be like turned out to be the Julio Jones we're all used to, and then he's going to have Tom Brady. Well, part of me thinks that if he is that, it's a lot of the credit goes to Tom Brady, even though he's had an incredible quarterback for years in Matt Ryan. So I will give this one to the Bucs because if everyone's healthy, the Bucs still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. That's just their offense. Uh, 
Defense, they still got a lot of their studs. I believe uh, Namdekung Su is the only one that's truly gone. Um, yeah. They still, have one of the, defense. they still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Is so. JPP there? I, I think JPP's a free agent still. I think he's also a free agent. I think him and Sue are still both free agents. Um, Do you think they're just doing the sit-out training camp and we'll sign you in the fall thing? Where they're what, just like, I don't want to go to training camp, sign me in August? I would not be surprised. Um, but I am a little shocked that both of them are still unsigned. Um, just because I would assume that at this point, they'd be grabbing someone. But I'm not exactly sure why they are. So let's just hope that they uh, they don't get signed and so that that is uh, yeah. not a problem for us. Um, but again, I will have to sadly give this one to the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to win as well. I think that might be the only one I'm giving away for the rest of the season. So, Oh, yeah, I think that's the 49ers' last loss this season. Well, there's one more I want to talk about, actually, now that I look at nah, this. Nah, it's all theirs. Who they got next? All right. Next up, wow, though, this must be Thursday Night Football because we've got only a four-day difference. The 49ers take on Four-day difference. Seahawks. As I said last time, this is not your grandma's Seattle Seahawks. This is a very, very different Seattle team. They're not going to be good. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo will be their starter, but they're still not going to be good. And because of that, I, I think the 49ers will will win against the Seahawks. I'm, I'm not worried about I don't know if there's that much to say. We've done a divisional preview. We've talked about this already. The, the 49ers will win this game. The only thing to say is what you just said about it. It's four days later. They're playing on Sunday, and then they're playing on Thursday. So... That's tough. I mean, can you imagine playing a full NFL game, especially against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then you are asked to play a game four days later in Seattle? They're home against the Bucks, and then they ship off to Seattle on four days rest and play a game. So I think if they lose in Seattle, it is because they just played a game four days earlier to the Bucks. So I'm with you, though. That should be a win. But if not, I'm going to credit that to the four-day break. Going on to week 16, third to last game, we have the Washington Commanders at Levi Stadium. Um, not a lot of good reports of Carson Wentz again. Uh, sure, I saw a video of him and Terry McLaurin connecting for a touchdown. You're supposed to do that. How sad uh, is it that I heard someone say on a podcast that Carson Wentz is going to be the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's ever played with? And that person's probably right. Well, I was going to say, that's accurate because he's just not had any good quarterbacks. Um, I would argue that uh, a hot Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than Carson Wentz, but is, uh, that's also an inconsistent comparison. And so overall... Man, uh, I'm so bummed that didn't work out. I love Ryan. I wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to go on a tear with Washington last season. Um, I am just sad that Ryan Fitzpatrick is retired, and man, oh man, He's do I want back. him to be a either... I want him to be Sean McVay's quality control coach, to see Ryan Fitzpatrick being the guy to pull Sean McVay off the off the field, or I want you him want to, to be his holdback. Yeah, I want him to be his pullback or to be a head coach and to to run everything. Hey, he's gonna be he's in the booth. He's gonna be on uh, Amazon Prime's Thursday Night Football pregame show. That's I'm, amazing. I think I've said this before, but I'm so excited for the booth for these Thursday Night Football games. You got Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, and you got there's a couple other guys, but you got Ryan Fitzpatrick on the pregame show. Like, let's go. Um, yeah, so that's that one. Um, I don't know. There's really not that much more to say. The 49ers are going to beat Washington. Like, I don't know. 
I, I don't think there's really anything else no, to say. No, there's not. Like, that's a win. So we can move on sure. to our next one. Yeah. Which is the Raiders. That was not a very good one. I'm sorry. I'll try that again next time. But, yeah. We'll give you a do over Las later. Vegas Raiders. Yeah, probably not. I probably won't. But the Las Vegas Raiders, new head coach in Josh McDaniels, coming, finally stepping away from the warm embrace of Bill Belichick for a second time and coming to play, coming to coach the Raiders and Derek Carr. Devontae Adams is now now on the team, leaving leaving Green Bay to reunite with his best friend Derek Carr, which is kind of cute, and I hope it works out. I think they're actually a pretty good team. I think they have a good roster. I think Derek Carr is a perennially underrated quarterback. I think Josh McDaniel is, is an incre- is going to be an incredible coach. I, I do. So I don't know. I could see that working out, and I could see them being good. And I could see like like I could see this being this is the this is week seventeen. I could see the Raiders like being like fourteen and three at this point, or, or fourteen and two, and having like being one of the best teams in the NFL. I really could. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I think it's within the realm of possibility. And so because of that, I'm not super sure how um, I'm not I'm not super sure what I think about this game. Yeah, I wouldn't say I, I would definitely disagree with the, the Raiders being the, the 14 and two or, or three. Um, and I'll, I think they will be substantially totally. better this year than they've ever been in recent years. But being in the division they are in. There's just it's I would deem it impossible for them to be that good uh, record wise with the teams around them, um, and if if they are, then my goodness, that is history in the making. Um, totally. But end of the season, some yeah, of the stuff is I'm so hard to predict. I think that will happen. I just think it's a possible outcome. That's that's really what I'm trying to say. It's hard to predict a game at the end of the season, week 17. We're used to that being the last game of the season. Uh, both yeah. good teams here, so I'm gonna give it to the Niners. Uh, I think the Raiders will be a force, but I think that the Niners are gonna have. We've talked about how they're gonna have a great year this whole off season, and so I think that they they will have put it together for long enough at this point to to pull through this one. Yeah, I agree. And that takes us to our last game of the season. And we are headed home from Las Vegas to Levi Stadium to finish the season against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. How do you feel about Kyler? Arizona I Cardinals. Know you're, I know you got a lot yeah, of respect for him. I, I do have a lot of respect for Kyler. Um, it really depends on if he's done his homework. But I think that the 49ers – I think that the Cardinals – have fallen off the last couple seasons. And I think they're going to put it together someday. I really do. I think Kyler Murray is the funnest player to watch in the NFL. I really do. I love watching him. I think he's electric. I think he can absolutely destroy you. But I also think he can't stay healthy. And I also think Cliff Kingsbury runs out of ideas right around week 9 or week 10. And I think the Cardinals will at some point be a legitimate NFL threat. I don't think that's happening while Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach. I kind of expect them to fall off again like they did last year. So I, I think the 49ers win this one, but I, I'm scared of the Cardinals. I really am. I really think they're so close to putting it together, but I'm not sure I expect them to put it together until until they have a new guy running the team. Yeah, that's fair. So we'll give that one a win, um, especially yeah. towards the end of the season. I don't think they'll have it. I think they'll be out of playoff contention. Um, don't even know if 
if they'll put Kyler out there if uh, if they're out. I don't think they're gonna want to jeopardize yeah. his his health. So I think I think we got a, a solid ten to twelve games. Ten actually, excuse yeah. me, ten even seems light for our prediction. I think we've only got four losses in there. Um, I think it'll be a, a similar thing. So I think there's a yeah. world where they could go thirteen and four. Uh, 12 and five, either of those I would be extremely happy with. And those are playoff records. Uh, totally. That's our schedule. Um, when is our, you said our preseason game against the Packers is this, this week or next week? It's this Friday. Gosh. Play the Packers. That's unreal. So that's what we got for you this week. You get to watch a preseason game on Friday. Uh, Watch that. See see uh, who's out there. Obviously, it'll be a lot of B team. I don't think any of our A team guys will be getting out there uh, on the first Watch week the of the preseason. Backs. Watch the O line. Yeah, and see see who does make it out there. Um, I think some of the top running backs, if they're not out there much at all, that shows you they're at the top tier. But if you if we see guys like totally. Jeff Wilson out there, that might mean that he is lower on the totem pole than we're used to seeing sometimes. So. Excited to to watch that game and and watch some of these lower tier guys try to make it onto this uh, very talented roster. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in, everyone. We uh, we love having you as fans as fans of the show. And uh, yeah, stay safe out there, everyone. Daniel, any parting words? I say it every week, but it's it's getting closer. It's football time, and it is it is truly oh, here. It is. So. Buckle up for an incredible season ahead. Thank you for tuning in, everyone.